I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. There are a few passages in Scripture which sum up everything so well. It's almost like every once in a while, you need uh, that summary at the end of the chapter to say, don't forget, this is what we talked about. In fact, uh, even, even the Catechism of the Catholic Church, at the end of these big, long sections, they say, in brief, and then they re-summarize everything for you. So if you're, you know, you're wanting to skim through things quickly with the catechism, you pull it out and you just read the in brief at the end of every section. And that gives you the, the starting point before you go back and read it the second time and get maybe a little bit more out of it. Well, there are these passages in scripture that do a similar thing. And I, I can call to mind four really quickly. Uh, we'll start with, uh, with Jesus himself. Jesus says to the person who asks him, what must I do to be saved? He says, go and do the commandments. And they say, well, what, what's the greatest commandment, right? And this gets asked a couple of different places in the synoptic gospels. But uh, this one that I'm looking at here is in Matthew 22. And, and uh, the Pharisees uh, heard that he'd silenced the Sadducees and they came together. It's kind of like stump, stump Jesus. Uh, and one of them, a lawyer, I love that they tell us that detail, uh, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Of course, uh, now you've got to debate whether or not it's the Ten Commandments or whether or not it is uh, the, the larger portion of the law that comes from uh, the rest of the, the, uh, the Torah. Uh, and so they're, they're, you know, they're testing, what's, what's Jesus going to say? Which list is he going to pull from? How's he going to do? And of course, Jesus, knowing their hearts, Jesus being the second person of the Trinity, the, the, uh, the incarnation of the divine God, uh, he says this passage out of Deuteronomy. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we've heard that a million times, but he goes on and says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Everything else is summed up right here. Do these two things and you have it made. And of course, you know the rest of the story. Then again, we have in the book of Galatians, Paul says uh, to, to the people of Galatia, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Of course, we've heard that many times as well. But he continues and says, against such, there is no law. So here, if we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and producing that fruit, these aren't the gifts of the Spirit that, that uh, depend on the Spirit's will, giving what he will to each person. These are the fruits of the Spirit. This is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is living in your life. And here Paul says, when the Holy Spirit lives in your life and you are manifesting these fruits, there is no law. You don't have to worry about it because the, the, the Spirit himself is going to guide you 
into following the law. Not by virtue of trying to keep the law, but by virtue of the fact that you are now a loving person. You have uh, peace and joy and, and, and so forth all the way down the line to self-control. The law is not this external thing that's imposed, but it comes back to what says in the Old Testament that God has now, through the Holy Spirit, inscribed the law on your heart. It flows out from within you rather than being something that must constrain you. So that too, the fruit of the Spirit, is one of those let me sum things up for you kind of verses. Book of Colossians chapter 3, we have a similar verse. And this is one that I have returned to many, many times because it really sums up, in, in my opinion, the entirety of the Christian life. And it's Colossians 3 starting at verse 12. And Paul says to the people of Colossia, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience, forbearing one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And here you've got this passage where Paul's saying, okay, I, I'm, I'm short on time. I need to give you everything, uh, kind of just in summary, that you need to do to live a life as a Christian. And he just kind of jams it into this five-verse segment. And so we have these passages throughout the Bible that I think if we sit with and we meditate on and we just kind of marinate in a little bit and let, let it soak into our pores, that perhaps, just maybe, uh, it would be a little bit easier to discern the right way to go. It's, it's laid out for us. Well, one of these passages is way back in the Old Testament. It comes from the prophet Micah. And it's really simple, and you've heard it. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? That's it. Those three things which are seemingly uh, opposed to one another need to be held in tension and in balance to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk in humility, to walk humbly with your God. We're going to break that down over today's show with none other than Dr. Tom Curran. He's the host of the Daily Show Sound Insight on Sacred Heart Radio up in the Pacific Northwest. He's also a systematic theologian and an author, and we're going to have a fantastic conversation with him just right after this. Join us on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. 
Today we're doing things a little bit different as uh, we are doing a, a, a tag team where our guest today, uh, Dr. Tom Curran, is the host of Sound Insight, which is a daily radio program on Sacred Heart Radio in the Pacific Northwest. And he and I are, are recording our interviews simultaneously. I'm interviewing him and he is interviewing me. So we're going to see how this goes. I think it's an experiment in radio. Uh, I, I'm sure it's been done somewhere, but but I'm going to pretend like we came up with it. Uh, Dr. Curran, thank you for being with me today. Hey, Timothy, this is great. You know, I, I love this idea of um, being able to serve both of our audiences, and uh, I'm excited to be able to have a beautiful conversation with you, hopefully in a way that will glorify the Lord and be a blessing to all of our listeners. You know, I um, when I do show prep, when I'm looking at how to proceed with what we're going to talk about in a given week, I do a couple of things. But one of them is I look at what is the church trying to say to us in this season. So I go and I look at the readings, uh, the mass readings for the coming week uh, for each of the daily masses, as well as the Sunday mass. I look at the uh, the breviary uh, out of the liturgy of the hours and the office of readings. What what are the the things that the church is giving us in terms of letters from church fathers and the doctors of the church and other ecclesial documents? And the thing that popped up today. Uh, was this this emphasis on what it means to live a Christian life rather than just calling ourselves Christian. And, of course, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but th- that passage from Micah that, that we, we have heard so many times, uh, he has told you what, I- what you must do, right? He's told you what's required of you, that you do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And there are uh, just a few passages in Scripture, uh, a lot of them from Paul, some from Christ himself, and, and some from the prophets that just sum up what it means to be a follower of the Lord. And this is one of those. Everything is encompassed here, uh, that we do justice, that we give to people what is due to them, that we look out for those people who are oppressed or on the fringes, that we love mercy, uh, and that we walk humbly. And those three things seem to be counter to one another, but it seems like Christ is calling us to hold those in balance in order to to walk faithfully as his disciples. You know, Timothy, when I think of those three, uh, I'm ready to go right to the meat, right to the middle, like love mercy. That's the one I'd love to begin and end with Mm -hmm. and maybe only talk about (laughs) the idea of doing justice and walking humbly with our God that's harder. That's those are the ones. It's it, it's a little bit of a uh oh, uh, because I think it it it's like a shi- a bright shining light on our lives. Uh, you know, doing justice is this something that I uh, am willing to lead with? Am I willing to put first? Am I willing to really explore what does that mean in terms of doing justice in my relationship with the Lord and doing justice regarding how it is I'm living out the call that He has for me in the world. And then the same with regards to walking humbly with our God. And so I'm excited to be able to explore all three with you. But I have to admit, hearing the three, it's that middle one that I think is the, the, the easiest for us to, at least at first blush, want to uh, focus mm-hmm. on. You know, I, I would say that for you and me, I would agree that, that mercy is that one that we're called to because we have been such... Uh, recipients of it. We've needed that mercy. And so uh, we, we look at it and say, oh yeah, yeah, mercy, that's a good one, God. But but wait, hum- you're going to require humility and you're going to require justice as well. Uh, and 
I think that there may be other people out there who have a very strong sense of justice that 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 uh, love mercy is the harder one for them. And each of these things, depending on our personality and our life experience, I think challenges us in a different way. But to each of us, uh, whatever one we we gravitate towards, there is challenge and growth that's required because no one does all three of these without the supernatural assistance of the grace of God. Yeah, amen to that. I can think back to, so let's say, the early days of my awakening in faith, and I can remember going to confession and really feeling a little bit like uh, ready to... Uh, ready to rationalize my own behavior, meaning that, you know, Father, you should be pretty happy that I'm here because, you know, I'm 19 <laughs> years old and, you know, I, God must be really thrilled that I'm here in confession because, you know, I'm doing way better than most other people and I'm here. How many other 19-year-olds are here? So, you know, you should be like really quick and happy to forgive me, Lord. And so very much a sense of... um self-justification about my about my behaviors because of how slight my sins were as compared to so many others that were uh, around me, obviously the bigger sinners. And so, yeah, I almost deserve to be forgiven. So I got to tell you that th- there was definitely a time in my life when I approached the Lord through the, the standpoint of justice and really felt myself justified. And, and I mean that in, in a uh, in, in a way that is 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 not good. It's in a way that was very mm-hmm. immature as I was uh, getting started in my uh, awakened faith journey. If you're just joining us, we're talking today with Dr. Tom Curran. He's the host of Sound Insight, a program, a daily program on Sacred Heart Radio in the Pacific Northwest. And Tom, I'm interested here in the verbs involved in this passage, right? Uh, do justice, not not expect justice necessarily, but to go out and to do justly, to do justice, then to love mercy, and then to walk humbly. So th- this idea that, you know, a lot of times we get a picture of justice as almost as vengeance, as comeuppance, as uh, justice is when the uh, the criminal is punished, not when the victim is uh, is taken care of. And, you know, as you look at Scripture, as you look at uh, the long history of the church, justice was more about caring for the needs of the one who was offended and less about meeting out any kind of retribution on the offender. Uh, and so it's very easy for those who are uh, very active in, in justice and caring for the oppressed to do so in a way that doesn't love mercy. Uh, and so I th- in that way, for those of us who love mercy, God, I think, is calling us to see that by doing justice, we are being merciful to the one who has been sinned against, to the one who was uh, offended, to the one who was uh, somehow slighted or or, or worse, uh, oppressed by another group. And yet, uh, as we do that justice, as we seek that kind that uh, really settling of accounts for the one who was deprived. We have to do so in a way that also loves mercy for the person who perpetrated that, because both are made in the image of God and bear uh, an incomparable dignity just by virtue of the fact that they were created by God. You know, uh, Timothy, I, I when I hear you talk about justice and mercy and and this uh, sort of graced way of integrating both into our own living out of our life of faith, 
uh, a very, I want to say, critical uh, issue bubbles up in my mind. It was something I was talking about literally yesterday, and uh, it's something I'll talk about again next week uh, on my program, and that is uh, Amoris Laetitiae, where mm-hmm. Pope Francis is talking about helping people in challenging circumstances that require accompaniment. And I see, if you will, the, the, two, the two sides of the coin, if you will, the, the side of those who are living the church's teaching as it has been traditionally proclaimed, uh, if you will, in a certain sense, focusing on doing justice in the way that you talked about, that there are victims mm-hmm. here. And there are others who are, if you will, leading with the love-mercy and that there are insights to be gained when you begin with approaching people, uh, married couples in challenging circumstances, uh, who are, if you approach them through the lens of mercy, you're going to gain a whole other type of insight. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't see an easy resolution between those who are mm-hmm. saying we need to uphold the great tradition of our church when it comes to understanding the marriage covenant, the indissolubility of marriage, and somehow upholding at the same time the loving of mercy and saying we have to recognize that irregular situations that come from long-standing separations that approached with a sense of accompanying mercy are going to yield other insights into the right way of addressing them pastorally. I don't know if that's something that you've mm-hmm. bumped into in terms of your talking with folks and sort of just watching all of this unfold, but it's something that I, I, I know I know I need to do uh, a bit more of penetrating study because I know that a lot of Catholics are confused right now and they're hearing voices coming from both sides. So I don't know if that's where this was intended to go in terms of our conversation, but doing justice and loving well, mercy. Well, I think that this... This is a good place, though, because this is where that last one comes in, to walk humbly with our God, to recognize, yeah, there are some really difficult situations, and the way that things are being expressed are seem to be different than they have previously been expressed. Uh, but I, I see something very specific in the way that this is being uh, being addressed today, specifically through uh, Amoris Laetitia, and that's this. Um, more even than accompaniment, is uh, encounter, right? When we when we go out and we proclaim the truth as it should be proclaimed, uh, when we do so in a way that takes no account of the context to which we're speaking, we can shut down the encounter entirely. And so, a person who may be in the midst of that difficult situation, um, they will go away without ever having the seed of the gospel uh, fall into good ground. And so what I see in this this whole progression, even of Pope Francis uh, not wanting to answer the dubia and other questions, is by doing so, these people whose uh, hearts are a bruised reed uh, and, or, and a smoldering wick, um, by having that hard, fast answer, they won't look any further into the possibility of mercy, the, the, into the possibility of encounter. And so the bruised reed Christ would not break and the smoldering wick he would not snuff out. And I think that that's what the church is doing right now is to say to a person in a difficult situation, all hope is not lost. Come walk humbly with us and let's encounter Christ together and find out uh, the way that he wants to encounter you. Because the truth of the matter is Christ does want to encounter 
each of these people in a very profound way, even if that eventually is going to require something difficult of them, just as it's Christ is asking something difficult of us right now as, as we are struggling with, with this encounter as well. You know, Timothy, I know we're coming up uh, to a break here, but I love your reflection, and I know it's worth exploring some more. In fact, uh, there's a story of a, of a couple I know and have known for a number of years, and they are a tremendous witness to how they attempted to live in accord with the church's teaching to, to do justice and how they experienced that as, in fact, a great mercy to them. They didn't know that as they started the journey. But as they attempted to do justice, they were, in fact, walking humbly. And in the end, they're able to say, what a tremendous act of mercy from God that we received this kind of guidance. So there's a beautiful story to tell there, and maybe we can do that after the break. Absolutely. We're talking today with Dr. Tom Curran, systematic theologian, author, and uh, the host of Sound Insight, a daily program on Sacred Heart Radio up in the Pacific Northwest. But right now, you're listening to Outside the Walls all across the Oklahoma Catholic Broadcasting Network and Iowa Catholic Radio. So glad that you're here. Join me over on social media, facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. There's much, much more to this conversation with Dr. Curran coming up right after this. So don't stray too far. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We're talking with Dr. Tom Curran. He's a systematic theologian and author of Confession, Five Sentences That Will Heal Your Life, and The Mass, Four Encounters with Jesus That Will Change Your Life. And I was, I was telling you in the break that that kind of sounds like a, a BuzzFeed quote. We just need the, at the end of it to put a subtitle, number three is our favorite, right? <laughs> well, and you know, Timothy, you were talking about the theme of encounter. Has, as encounter is that which precedes accompaniment. You're not going to accompany someone you haven't really encountered. And mm-hmm. that actually underlies, uh, it's one of the core concepts that underlie how I wrote both of my books, because there are all kinds of books written about the mass and about confession. But what I did is I took a theme that was fundamental to Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and St. John Paul II, and it's that concept of event, the theological category of an event, is that it's a breaking into the current moment. And it's a breaking open of that current moment in such a way that you have an encounter with the Lord. And when you can take a look at the sacraments through the theological category of an event, that it's not just the same old, same old, even though you're saying the same things week after week. No, there's the potential, there's the capacity of every Mass and of every confession to have this event quality. Because God is breaking in. The Lord is breaking in to encounter us at Mass through the ways he's present. The Lord is, is going to meet us in confession as a, as a sacred event. 
as a as a special place of meeting the the Lord, and it'll unfold through these five sentences, which essentially are the four acts of the penitent, and the principal act of the Lord, and it unfolds as, I did it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll make up for it, and I'll never do it again. So that's for a whole other program. But my my point in bringing this up is that in in our life of faith today. I believe one of the great gifts that our last three Holy Fathers, St. John Paul II, Pope Benedict, and now Pope Francis, they've really been able to unfold the Church's teaching on so many matters through, the, through these concepts of event and encounter, and now add in accompaniment that it really is quite revolutionary in, in our tradition. You know, this reminds me of a story from the Gospel of Mark, where uh, Jesus and the disciples are in a boat and a storm comes up and being right there with them in their midst, he calms the storm. And then as soon as they make it to the shore, they, they encounter a man possessed by demons and, and Jesus encounters that man and casts out his demons. And the disciples are probably thinking it can't get any crazier than this. But then immediately Jairus comes to him and says that my daughter's died. And so he begins to accompany uh, Jairus to his home And then, of course, the woman at that same moment reaches out and touches the hem of his garment and is healed, and he stops and he encounters the woman uh, in that place. And there's this this sense of uh, all it was was Jesus getting in a boat and walking. Yeah, it's this ordinary thing just like the Mass or like going to confession, and yet in those ordinary moments, a profound and healing encounter happened. Uh, And so, you know, people get then maybe they get bored at the mass or maybe they feel like uh, the confession is too daunting or it's too ordinary. And yet it's in those ordinary moments that we are able to encounter, that we're able to be accompanied by Christ and that we're able to find that healing uh, that we would never do if we didn't show up. Well, Timothy, you know, I agree with you. And I think so much for Catholics is that it it's going to involve, but mean more than just understanding what's happening at the mass. As helpful as that is, mm-hmm. information is not the same as encounter. And so right. Right. Uh, I, I actually, the way that I think about it and unfold it is the way that the church uh, proposes that we ought to relate to the scriptures. We ought to relate to the scriptures as a book to be studied, as a, as a, as a if you will, a manual of principles to be applied to our lives, because it's relevant and meaningful. But it also is a place of encounter. And ultimately, and most foundationally, it's a place of encounter with the Lord himself. And so it's really a matter of saying, do you, do you see that? Do you see that if you're going to really grow to appreciate the Mass or, or confession uh, or so much of what the Church is saying around encounter and event, you, you really need to be able to understand what it's saying, see how it is relevant and it applies to your life, but ultimately allow those things to prepare you for that deepened, sense of meeting. I met the Lord. The Lord broke in and he met me. And that's a whole new way of seeing the Mass. That's a whole new way of seeing confession, to see it as an encounter with Jesus. That will change everything. At least that's my experience. Well, you know, and I think of the life, and I bring this up on my show probably far too often, but I think of St. Thomas Aquinas there at the end of his life having that profound mystical encounter with Christ and coming to understand uh, his presence in the Eucharist in a new way and thinking that everything he had done to that point was worthless, even though we consider it the greatest treasures of the church, simply because of the incomparable value 
of encountering, of coming face to face with Christ in the Eucharist. Yeah, amen to that. And and you know what? It's like when that happens, everything makes sense. You know, when that happens, guess mm-hmm. what? I'll be able to do justice. I'll be able to love mercy, and I'll be able to walk humbly with our God. But apart from that encounter, mm-hmm. good luck. Good luck trying to do right. justice, love mercy, or walk humbly with our God. Well, and you, you, when we first started the show, you were talking about how you gravitate towards love mercy. But I think that even in that, uh, uh, the way that we love mercy is incomplete uh, or without that encounter with Christ, because we're operating under our own understanding of mercy rather than uh, really conveying to someone else Christ who is mercy, because you can't convey what you don't have. You can't uh, tell someone else or, or introduce someone else to some gift of the Spirit, uh, uh, some grace of God that you have not first received on your own. Yeah, amen to that. And and so, like, uh, and I said sort of like a first blush thing, like love mercy, and it's kind of a, you know, it's a half-hearted attempt at humor here because, of course, I want to, I love the fact that the Lord is merciful to me, right? That mercy is is what? It's it's the fact that the Lord shows us favor precisely at those places and moments and points in our lives where we deserve the opposite. You know, we deserve punishment, and then, yet the Lord shows us favor. And it's like, who wouldn't love that, right? But if you really love mercy, and, and as you're saying it, you love Christ, the one who is mercy, well then, all of a sudden now, I've got to live mercy, if I'm going to truly love the one who is mercy and experience his mercy, then mercy has hands and feet, right? Mercy is, is it means compassion. It means suffering with. It means reaching out to those who, who are in a, in a position of suffering that ought not to be. And, and I cannot sit comfortably or peacefully any longer. So even though at first blush, loving mercy is very attractive when it comes to receiving it, well, when it comes to truly loving mercy, man, there's a lot more at right. stake than we realize at the beginning. You know, and, and isn't that the way that it always is? We don't understand at the beginning uh, all of the things that we're going to understand at the end. So let's take this moment to jump off and talk about that couple uh, who, as we were having the discussion about Amoris Laetitia, they, they were taking the time to try and live out and understand the church teaching. Uh, and so that required some things of them. It required some justice uh, towards their former relationships. It required walking in humility. And then what was the end result at the end of it? What was the mercy that they could recognize in their life through that process. So here they are. They are a married couple who came into the Catholic Church, but they did so um, having come from a situation that was a bit broken on both sides, both have having been previously married and then being unfaithful to their spouses ended up um, be, uh, getting into an adulterous situation and then getting married themselves. So here they are, um, baptized, um, growing up in a Christian community, uh, and then getting married themselves in a Christian church after having been divorced from, you know, their first marriages. Well, now they became Catholic, and here's the the pastor. And now, what does the pastor do to do justice and love mercy in their regard? And essentially, what he said to them was. If you really want to embrace your Catholic faith in this matter, 
I'm going to ask you to live as brother and sister until you, uh, you re- receive a- an annulment in your previous marriages. Mm-hmm. And, or choose not to receive Eucharist. Right. That'll, that'll be your choice. And there was no sense of there's some third way, there's some kind of, let's say, pastoral accompaniment that would say, you know what, you all did that before you were Catholic. You, you did that in churches that allowed for divorce. You were married in a church that was Christian. You know what, we should just allow you, because this was, you know, 15 years ago. We should just allow you to, to just go over that step. But they didn't. Mm-hmm. And they weren't given that path. And so they, for years, chose to live as brother and sister and receive Eucharist and live their Catholic faith until first one and then the other were annulled. And I got to tell you, the witness of the way they walked their path, and then when that second annulment finally came through and they were able to have their marriage blessed in the Catholic Church and they were able to receive communion as part of that, they were so joyful and grateful that they did not receive, if you will, an easy third way out that would, would have been given the name of mercy. In fact, what they named was the fact that they were choosing to live as brother and sister and receive communion. There was a penitential making up for the damage that they had caused that gave them a way of seeing this as an aspect of God's mercy to them and not God's justice coming down as a hammer. And it was so you know, and I, humbling to hear that story. I see a lot of people as they try to make sense of this this document uh, and the the questions of accompaniment. Uh, they seem to apply it to to every situation, uh, and sometimes I think we miss the fact that we are a global church, and the what may be very working very smoothly here in America and working very easily in the way that it's intended to work. Uh, there are situations that go far beyond what we understand just simply in terms of the American marriage culture. And for many people who go through this process of accompanying with with their pastor, uh, it will end up looking very similar to the story that you just told, if not identical. Uh, But I think that part of this walking humbly is that recognition that there are circumstances uh, at the disposal and discretion of a bishop, which canon law gives them, that go far beyond our own ideas of normalcy of, of what normally happens. That's the whole purpose of the church. The church, as St. Benedict talks about, wants to, to do things that challenge the strongest person, but also don't, uh, don't damage the weakest member, right? The church always reaches out uh, in a way that meets that person where they are and calls them to holiness where they are uh, and really calls all of us to, to grow and to grow in these virtues of doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly in humility with God. Don't go anywhere. There's much more to this show right after the break. There's even more to this conversation with Tom Curran to those who support the show through Patreon. If you want that extra content, go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link. Join us on social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we had a lot of fun as we talked with Dr. Tom Curran, who is the host of Sound Insight, which is a daily program on uh, on Sacred Heart Radio up in the Pacific Northwest in Washington State. And uh, we had a little bit of fun because we hosted two shows at once. Uh, had our little, both of us have kind of a conversational interview style. Uh, and so who was, who was interviewing whom you might go back and listen again. Uh, you might have a hard time figuring it out. And it really depends on which station you were listening to. If you're listening to mine, of course, I was interviewing him. And if you listen to his show, well, maybe, maybe he was interviewing me after all. Uh, the turns of phrases, it's kind of fun to to be on this side of it and to hear him respond in the way it's like, I, I would have done that. Yeah, that's that's how I would do it. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of an experiment that I think went fairly well. Uh, but if you if you want to judge it now with that knowledge in mind, or maybe you want to share this episode with someone else, well, have no fear, all of my episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com all the way back to the beginning, even the ones that I'm kind of embarrassed about. They're all online. You'll have to listen to them all to figure out which ones I'm embarrassed by, which means that uh, you're going to listen to them all, so I'm happy in the end. Well, there's more to the conversation with Dr. Tom Curran as well because I like to give my supporters a little extra, extra question or two, And so for those who support the show through Patreon, they get extra content each and every week. Uh, If you want access to that content, it's really easy. While you're there at OutsideTheWalls.com looking at all of the archives, there's a button right up at the top in the nav bar. It says, Patreon, support the show. Click that link and it will give you details about how you can help keep this show on the air, uh, bringing you quality content week in and week out. And for as little as $5 a month, and let's be honest, you spend more than that at a single trip getting a single venti frappuccino from Starbucks, you can afford it. And with Starbucks, it's gone, right? You drink that venti uh, strawberry whatever that they've got going on right now, which is quite good, by the way. Uh, And then once you've enjoyed it, it's, it's finished. But no, with these extra segments, it's yours. You get to keep it. You get to go back and listen to it again and again and continue to derive joy from it, not only from the extra segments, but also knowing that you had a hand in keeping this show going and picking the guests and keeping us moving forward. And, you know, it's worth it. I encourage you go over to Outside the Walls and make today the day that you get all the extra content, all the access behind the scenes. But let's turn our attention now to our reading from Scripture and from church history. Uh, you already know, you're, if you've been listening to this show, uh, you're a pretty smart person. You know that we're going to be pulling our reading from the book of Micah, the prophet. Uh, but we're, we're going to do more than what we have been discussing, because this reading from later this week uh, is, is a longer portion of that passage. It comes from Micah 6, and the prophet says, Hear what the Lord says. Arise, present your plea before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O mountains, the plea of the Lord. Pay attention, O fountains of the earth, for the Lord has a plea against his people, and he enters into a trial with Israel. 
Oh, my people, what have I done to you? Or how have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt. From the place of slavery, I released you. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow before God Most High? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with myriad streams of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my crime, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? You have been told, O man, what is good, and what the Lord requires of you, only to do the right, and to love goodness, and to walk humbly with your God. That reading comes from the book of Micah, chapter 6. That translation's a little bit different, but that's the one that comes uh, in the lectionary. That is the, the New American Bible Revised Edition. And it can be so daunting to just contemplate what it means to hold those three in balance. And uh, we can turn it into some kind of uh, a litmus test or, or some kind of, uh, of trial that we put ourselves through and hold ourselves to this standard and just by way of reminder, and we talked about this in the earlier segment, is that this is not something we can pull off on our own. Being able to do justice, to do justly, and to love mercy and to walk in humility, it's going to require the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's going to require an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's not just about going and sitting in Mass, although it's very important that you do go to Mass. It's not about the sitting there. It's about the encounter with the person of Christ, as Tom so eloquently put it earlier in the episode. And really, in church history, there's, I don't think, anyone better at talking about the relationship with Christ uh, than St. Augustine. And uh, he does this so well specifically in his book, Confessions. And so we're going to look at that today as the reminder that we need the presence of Christ in our life. We need him to be a mediator and to be in, uh, in communion with us for us ever to be able to live up to the demands of the law and even the law of grace that's given to us. We must have his, uh, his grace given to us for us to be able to walk in that grace. So out of the, the Confessions of St. Augustine, we read, The true mediator was he whom you revealed to humble men in your secret mercy, and whom you sent so they might learn that same humility by following his example. This was the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who intervened between sinful mortals and the immortal just one, himself mortal like men, and like God, just. Thus, since life and peace are the compensation for righteousness, he could, by a justice united with God, annul the death of sinners now justified, since he willed to share death with them. Good Father, how you loved us, sparing not your only Son, but delivering him up for us sinners. How you loved us, for whose sake he, thinking it no robbery to be equal with you, was made subject to death on the cross, 
He alone, free among the dead, had the power to lay down his life and the power to take it up again. For our sake, he became in your sight both victor and victim. Victor indeed, because he was victim. For our sake too, he became before you both priest and sacrifice. Priest indeed, because he was a sacrifice, changing us from slaves to sons by being your son and serving us. Rightly then, have I firm hope that you will heal all my infirmities through him who sits at your right hand and intercedes for us. Otherwise I should despair. For great and numerous are these infirmities of mine, great indeed and numerous, but your medicine is mightier. We might have thought your word remote from any union with man, and so have despaired of ourselves if he had not become flesh and dwelt among us. Crushed by my sins and the weight of my misery, I had taken thought in my heart and contemplated flight into the desert, but you stopped me and gave me comfort with these words, Christ died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. Behold, Lord, I cast upon you my concern that I may live, and I shall meditate on the wonders of your law. You know my ignorance and my weakness. Teach me and heal me. Your only Son, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, redeemed me with his blood. Let not arrogant men speak evil of me, for I meditate on my ransom, and I eat it, and I drink it, and I try to share it with others. Though poor, I want to be filled with it in the company of those who eat and are filled, and they shall praise the Lord who seek him. That reading comes from the book of Confessions by St. Augustine. And how true it is, how incapable we are to live out this justice, mercy, and humility without Christ's medicinal salvation, right? We need the, the grace of the Eucharist and the medicine of the Eucharist to come and to heal our souls so that we can serve the God of justice, imitating his humility and sharing his mercy. My prayer this week for, for myself, and certainly I'll include you in that, is that I might be able to discern those areas that I need to stand up for someone else, that I need to advocate for their justice. In that same time that I wouldn't be overcome by that, but that I would find a way to embody and to be filled with the mercy of God. And that I would realize and that you would realize that this is not of ourselves, but it comes from God. It's his gift to us so that we might walk in that humility as well. Today's show is brought to you by Richard Jones and all those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link and join their number. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.